0: Hello and welcome to Forethought, a show designed by real estate agents for real estate agents, helping them unlock the power of modern marketing. Welcome back, everybody, to Forethought uh, provided to you by Stay Ahead Real Estate Marketing, the only show designed for realtors by realtors and a marketer. Uh, today, uh, as we talked about last time, we're going to talk about the closing process. And specifically, I've prepped Aaron and, and Craig. I'm joined, obviously, as always, by Aaron and Craig uh, here. Uh, I've prepped them specifically. I want to talk about what can be done, what should be done in the process of closing on a house where you can set yourself up for success in the next stage of the funnel, which we've, we've really hit hard, which is getting referrals. And I think it's important that we think about this because if you don't approach uh, every pro- every step in this funnel from the, from the point of I'm going to need to talk to this person about getting referrals later, cause they're my best source of referrals. Uh, you can really shoot yourself in the foot. So as we move backwards in the funnel, We're going to talk very specifically about how we can set ourselves up for success at the end, because as Craig has mentioned, we know that the lifetime value of a real estate customer is much bigger, much, much, much bigger than, than any of us really uh, would have thought. So before we dive in though, I just want to say uh, if you have not yet, just go check out stayaheadrealestatemarketing.com. These guys are doing, we're doing a lot of cool stuff with, uh, with helping you manage your social media, which will help you in the process of getting referrals. I'm going to hit the referrals thing as hard as I possibly can uh, because I think it's so important. And really from a marketing standpoint, if you can get new business from somebody that you've already done business with, it's the, the cost to get that new business is zero, which means your profit margin, you take all of the money that you get from it because you don't have to pay for capturing new leads. So without any further ado, I want to turn it over to you guys. Um, uh, What do you think are some things that, you have seen or maybe you've done in the past during that process of closing and maybe even uh, uh, maybe even like leading into the process of, of once the deal has been signed and you consider them a customer or a client, uh, what are some things that, that you've seen that are most likely to shoot you, shoot you in the foot when it comes to going and asking for a referral? What are some things that people do that are just – it's just bad practice for that?
1: Uh, well, I, I, go ahead. <laughs>
2: um, I, I would I would say it's just the utter lack of communication with your client. Um, having them find out things that you should be providing them from other people, other sources like the title company, or if you're an attorney, state an attorney, um, or the lender. You should be finding those things out and then communicating with the client. But most agents are not most, um, but there are a lot of agents that once that deal is pending, they kind of wash their hands of it and they move on to the next deal and they don't babysit that client all the way through to, you know, the end goal, which is closing table. So um, I think that's the biggest mistake that I see is just the utter lack of communication.
1: I think um, along those same lines and it's, it's communication as well. But we're fortunate that we do this two to 300 times per year. And we assume that people know how this process is going to work. And that just doesn't go with the closing. That really goes for every step of the real estate process. Even if somebody sells a home every seven years, that process has probably changed since the last time they've done it. And we just assume everybody knows what's in our head. I have made that mistake many times um, assuming somebody had bought a home before. I mean, they're 36 years old and they were first time home buyers. And so I got to walk them through each and every step. And I think there needs to be a review right when the contract is signed of the process, the hurdles, the, the possible things that we may have to deal with from that point until we get to closing. Aaron mentioned one time to me that he had a client that loved him. He took him through the process and didn't get to closing, get to go to the closing that day. And what do he say, Aaron?
2: Well, he was an old football coach, you know? And so he, he used a football analogy with me and he's like, it was an expired listing. We got it under contract, you know, much quicker, you know, like in 10 days and it was on the market six months before we got it. And, um, he's like, man, the whole process was awesome. You you got the ball at the one yard line. You marched me all the way down the field. And then my process back then was to go over the HUD statement or closing disclosure with them and, you know, on the phone uh, line by line, you know, everything's great. I have appointments and clients coming up, you know, on the day of closing, so I won't be there. But if I'm only a phone call or text message away, if you need me, if there's anything important. Well, he called me. Uh, at, or well we call after the closing in, he said, you know, the whole process was great until the very end. And I said, oh, what happened? Was there a problem you didn't make me aware of? And he said, well, you did awesome. You marched me down the field. You got me right to the goal line. And he goes, you weren't there for, to celebrate the touchdown with me. So it was a sour taste in my mouth from that point forward on you. Even though everything was great, you didn't get to celebrate with me which was the closing. And from that point forward, I or somebody from my team are at every single closing.
1: Yeah, and it's it's strange too because a lot of these coaching programs teach these rainmaker activities and they break them down so strictly. I don't know if that's even the right word to say at that right time for the English language. But (laughs) then they get, but they forget The human part of what Aaron just said and to to achieve referrals and amazing fans and raving fans which is our goal you need to take them into the goal line and being there and while there's certainly times doing 300 transactions a year you're going to be gone or can't be there but having a representative them knowing in advance why you can't be there the hey My family vacation has been scheduled at Disneyland for the last six months. I wish I could be there, but Allison, who's been in contact with you this entire time, our assistant is going to be there with you. Um, and I'll call you, you know, right after or right before. And, and people understand those things, but they don't understand just showing up because you have another client to go get to. Right. And we're taught that. Yes. And And we're taught that from the stage about what we should and shouldn't be doing. And that's why everybody has to go out and produce new leads and not work the ones they currently have.
2: Yeah, when when that happened, I remember being taught, you know, only do things that you can change the outcome of. Right. Well, I can't change the outcome of the closing. It's going to happen, right? So that was my thought process. But I didn't think of it as, I changed the outcome. I will never get a referral from that guy now. Right. Right. So I did change the outcome, but in a negative way.
0: Right, and I think that, that um, so that's, it's so easy to when you look at it that way. And now that you know, we've spent some time really kind of changing the way that we think about the funnel and the fact that the funnel is not, it doesn't end once you get money. In fact, that's actually kind of where it begins. <laughs> when you think, when you approach it from that standpoint, you're no longer thinking, okay, my job is done here. Now I got to go back to the beginning and go find more leads because you realize that, that your better activity for every single closing that happens is to make sure that you can follow them into post close and after they've moved in the house and there's a bunch of stuff that can happen there that we'll get to uh so that you can get like the referral business that is that's the potential coming from them is so much uh greater and i think you know it's funny because you know it's that that fear that anxiety around getting new leads and onto what you think is more important which is like this new lead, which actually limits your ability to perform over the long term. When you, in, in, instead, if you take time away from those activities that you're taught are like, these are the most efficient, these are the most effective activities. And you actually stop and you think, okay, what am I trying to do here? Right. What's my goal? Is my goal to, to try and sell as many houses as possible, or is my goal to sell as many houses as possible, right? And if you realize that your goal is actually to act, to complete the transaction and not just to start it, it changes the, 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 the flow, it changes the focus completely. Um, and I, that's, that's true, we've said this before, but that's true in any business and in any endeavor really, is if you know what the goal actually is, and normally it's, the, it's what you would normally think is like, well, that's already done right? I don't need to really deal with that. And I love that you you said specifically, but you can't affect the outcome of the close. The only reason somebody would say that is because they don't consider anything that happens after as something worth considering, right? Because the only thing that's important is, are you pounding? Are you knocking doors? Are you calling? Are you, you know, making the calls? Are you you pounding the pavement kind of stuff? Um, So, uh, yeah.
1: It quite possibly could be the most important hour you spend with them.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's, it is the, you know, the celebration of a new home buyer or the relief of a home seller, even maybe they didn't get the price, um, but through the way you've communicated with them, the, the reasons why, and, you know, the statements of, you know, I've been here and done that, and I, I I'm here every day doing it, I can get you through this process. Sure. And providing that confidence to them to where when they get to the next person, you're, they're going to say, Hey, he provided the leadership for me to get through this entire process.
0: Totally. You become, and the, the beauty too, is that you, you, you become not just the guy that sold the house, you become a legitimate part of that person's life. Uh, and it's not because you're trying to manufacture some sort of fake thing so that you can get more. It's, when you take a genuine interest,, I think both of you have said this in the past. when you take a genuine interest, being connected to the people that you're dealing with um, it has long term effects now i want to I want to dig into something a little bit a little bit just as a thought experiment because I want to talk about that hour you said it's just it's the the hour that happens at the end and again you uh, we may, I mentioned this before you'll forgive my particular ignorance, not being a realtor. I apologize to everybody out there who who's just realizing that for the first time I think if anything the minute I open my mouth you should have noticed that I'm not a realtor but let's talk about the the opportunity cost of sitting with somebody for that closing it like so Aaron we'll, we'll take you as an example not to not to beat a dead horse but uh, had you what what would you have given up if you had dis, if you had gone with that guy and been with him and instead of like what did you do that you wouldn't have been able to do had you gone and sat with him
2: You know, I don't even know what it was. I mean, I could have been with buyer, I could have been with another seller, or I could have just been on the phones, um, returning calls or following up with other buyers and sellers. I mean, it wasn't an effective use of my time in my thought process to be there because I couldn't get more business there because I couldn't make calls or get a listing or what have you. But again, wrong mindset that is the best and most powerful use of my time.
0: Well, so I want to dig into this a little bit further because I love that you said that. You, prob- you may have been with a cl- another, another buyer, another seller. You may have been <laughs> in an hour. So how long, how long on average, again, this is my ignorance talking, how long on average is that meeting, that actual closing? What's, what's the time? An hour. hour. Yeah, an hour? 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously there's like, go, where does it usually happen? Your office, somebody else's office?
2: Typically at a title company here. But, um, a company? attorney states it's in attorney's office
0: okay or, so you know you've got maybe 20 25 minutes of travel either way so let's we'll round it out and say 90 minutes right we'll just now let's talk in your experience and I want to I want to run this by both of you just to just to get uh, what you think in your experience how many phone calls can you make in 90 minutes where something happens on the call not just like obviously you could dial, 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 dial. You could, you could dial a bunch of them. But how many phone calls can you, can you have where something significant happens in 90 minutes?
2: I would say somewhere in, if you're having an actual conversation with somebody and converting that to an appointment, you're probably looking at, you know, eight to 12 minutes a call. That's a contact So six, eight, maybe if you're, that doesn't include all the other people you're calling and not getting a hold of.
0: Right. Or like, you know, your assistant walks in, she's got something Somebody's there at your office or your wife calls or a bunch of stuff. So we'll, we'll round it and say 10 in 90 minutes, you can do, we'll say eight to 10. Craig, does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, probably. Maybe a little more, um, depends on, depending on what kind of call it is or what you're trying to set up. But you know, if it's a buyer, first time buyer consultation, it takes longer, but, if they're calling about you going to listen to the house that you say, okay, you know, what time are we going? Returning that call. That doesn't take that long. Sure. Okay. So yeah. But okay. Though, back, my guess though, Aaron went fishing during the closing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: very well kind of, well, <laughs> no, we're going to, we're going to, I want to get to that point in a second because there is a, there is a psychological difference between what we think is going to be more effective and then what we actually do. Right? So I want to, I want to dig on that, get it, dig in on that a little bit. But so let's say, we'll say 10, 10 is a good, I think, a good uh, conservative number. Now, in your experience, Aaron, if you have 10 phone calls, it just looking over the last, let's say, 15 years, however whatever long you've been doing real estate, of, if you take a, a random sampling of 10 phone calls that you've made, how many of those phone calls resulted in like, uh, an appointment, let's say? Uh, that, sure. that actually happened, is what I'm saying. Like, it actually moved to something else.
2: I would say you're looking at half because a lot of those 10 are um, follow up calls where you're nurturing through, through the process. So probably half and then a good you know, rule would be you know, another half of those would end up transacting business of some sort. Okay. You know, three now, out of now, uh,
0: So you're saying you're saying on average about uh, two and a half percent of the right. people you talk to, you end up closing. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Now, so the, the really what I want to get at here is uh, that is assuming that you made 10 calls during those 90 minutes. Correct. Right? And you weren't out fishing, which <laughs> the gauntlet has been tossed. <laughs> uh, uh, but also, it assumes that the calls that you're going to make in, in those, in that particular 90 minutes are going to follow, is going to, is going to hold with those, those stats, and most importantly, that the referrals that you might've gotten from the the guy that was actually there uh, are there's going to be less of them or fewer of them than the whatever two and a half. Essentially what we're saying is if you had 10 calls, you would close two new deals, which I'm thinking is a statistical estimate and not actually what we're right in 90 minutes. You're not, you're not going to close two. I think that's the mindset that gets you to think I should be on the phones instead of with this guy, because I could close two, Homes, right? To this, this, this hour, this ninety minutes represents two homes to me, two homes worth of GCI, whatever that is. And depending on where you are, that's any. I mean, depending on you know what level of house you're you're selling, that's you know it could be a significant amount of money. But I think in actuality, the truth is that ninety minutes, like like Craig alluded to, is more often than not, it's not ten calls. And if it's anything, it's you're probably not doing. I mean, it's probably not much of anything that's actually being productive and 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 uh, and actually moving you closer to that. You're you're doing things because you think that you're supposed to. And here's the kicker: you could spend that 90 minutes picking up the phone, making those calls. If you if you made those 10 calls, even if one of those 10 people that you spoke to it ended up becoming something, think of the difference in what you're actually doing calling people versus sitting with somebody to close a deal. Think of like the actual long-term effect right you might get another home that you could that you might be able to close but then when that person is sitting down to do their closing you're trying to get one other home versus if you're sitting down with a person now you have a source of leads that will be true to you forever correct right
1: well there's also no time commitment when you can make those calls yeah i mean it can be rescheduled just because you didn't make them during that time of the closing does not mean you can't make those calls. It's not a, if, you know, are there certain things that we should delegate as agents? Sure. That we don't do? Sure. And prospecting is not one of them, but I can make a very good, I can make a very good case that going to a closing is not one of those as well too.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I love that you brought that in. That closes it out. I think perfectly that whole concept that that activity And that's just one aspect of the closing We're talking about when it's actually, the actual act of it happening, being there with them to show your support and to really solidify the relationship that you've gained. You're absolutely right. Those 10 calls, again, assuming you do make 10 calls in 90 minutes, most likely you would have only made two or three, one or two of which could have been a text message or an email that was sent by an assistant. And all of which probably could have been Either put off to write afterwards, or delegated to somebody else, most likely in terms of uh, the in terms of efficiency and and actually effectiveness. But I think the most important thing is that now what that what you give up, I think what I'm getting at is what you give up by going to the closing is making those calls right then. But what you give up by not going to the closing is the potential for a wealth of new business that you don't have to work for because you already did that work. So, it's, yeah. it's like free business that you're leaving on the table because you think that it's more effective and more efficient for you to pick up the phone and call people, uh, even though most of the time you're just out fishing. And
2: you, and you realistically lost the lifetime value of that client.
0: Totally. Yeah. You're giving up any future business, like if they need to sell or buy another house in the future, they want to get into rent, you know, whatever else they're going to do. And then any referrals that they may have given you. I mean, honestly, and again, I know we're not trying to be the dead horse here, but that guy. Uh, what's the likelihood that you would get a referral from him Zero. now? And, Zero. and he like he said he said it straight up to you. most people are going to be passive aggressive about it <laughs> and just not answer your calls but you know for a fact that that happened that's that's the that's the opportunity cost that's what you give up by not being involved there. Now I want to take this a little bit further and and talk about so being at the the closing I think we've we've established is an activity that that most realtors probably uh, either delegate or don't do, because they don't think that it's important or that they're taught not to do, but it's something that they should do because it ex- it accentuates and it enhances your ability to get you know referrals from them in the future. Let's talk about what else can you do? What are some other things that you guys have seen you do yourselves or you've seen other realtors do in and around that closing process, either leading up to it? Aaron, you mentioned like just being super uh, communicative, which I, which I really like, but are there other things that you've seen uh, either before, during that process, maybe immediately after, uh, you know, the process of getting them the, the keys, getting them moved in, anything in that, in that window that you guys have seen that's been super effective specifically in just enhancing that relationship.
1: I think there's a, there's a process. Um, one of our very good friends who's a, an agent in Canada, and we all have these different um, relationship systems and, and to-do lists after a closing. Call them, at, you know, at a week after closing, how things are going. But there's a point that 30 days after the closing, if you are to call them and ask them, okay, hey, how's it going? You moved into the new house. What's wrong? There's going to be something wrong with that house. I mean, even if it's a brand new house, something is going to be wrong. And that is a tremendous opportunity to be their answer one more time, to solidify it. So, hey, man, this my garage door is not working or there's something here. And then send over. Next thing you know, a garage door guy shows up at their house to fix it. You're, you're in for life. And it can't, that time can't, elapsed too far.
0: Right, right.
1: Because in six months, they may have 20 things have gone wrong with their house and they can't (laughs) can't go fix 20 things, right. (laughs) But but the 30-day, he calls it the 30-day money call. That you, it's 30-day money. It's going to cost you some money more than likely in that 30 days. Sure. But it's going to solidify that client not only for the job that you did, but just you're there for them the rest of their life.
2: Yeah
1: And I, I think that that's, of all the things that I've heard from a post-closing standpoint, that was probably the best advice i have ever received from any agent anywhere.
2: Yeah, We stole his process as well, and I think we've added, you know, we call the day after closing, make sure that they got moved in okay, all their utilities were activated correctly. Again, it's just another time to touch them. And then we do the 30 day call call every quarter. Every year we, we call that we just sent them a updated market analysis of what their home is worth now. Um, just again, providing extra value throughout the time that they're in that home so they don't ever forget about us. Meanwhile, dripping on them, um, they're seeing you know our social media, uh, you know, and again, because it's not just shoving homes down their, their throat, right. um, they're engaging with that. Uh, many of my clients respond to those things and even provide us many testimonials on stuff when we're not even asking for it uh, because we're staying in touch and keeping that relationship alive. Totally. Totally.
0: And I want to, I want to point out a couple of things I love. Uh, Those are brilliant. You think about a couple of things for anybody that's listening, most likely when you talk about a money call, spending money on a real estate client, you think, why would I, why would I take some of that GCI that I earned on this house and put it back? Why would, I, why would I spend my money on this person that may or may not ever get me business in the future? And I want you to, I want you to think about this a little bit different. Because again, we're, we're, what we're trying to hammer home is the fact that if you treat your customers right, they will be sources of leads to you forever. But I want to talk about a couple of things that you may not be thinking about in that thing, in that whole process. Because Aaron was just talking about, you follow up with them. Say, let's say, first of all, somebody moves into a house and a month later, they notice that the, that there's, you know, they, they get all the way moved in. They get all, everything's happening. and They didn't do like a, they, you know, there's an inspection process, obviously all the way through, but they get all the way done. They get all the way moved in and they find the garage door up is broken, right? That's fine. Um, maybe it broke during their moving process, whatever. But the assumption is it was broken before. We just didn't catch it in, in whatever. They don't, there's nobody, they don't have anybody to turn to for that. So that's like an out of pocket expense. They're, they, they could try and call like the seller of the house, which would be weird. That's not going to do anything. They could try and call like it's, it's too, it's too small of a cost for anybody to really be covering it. But it's also a significant, I mean, replacing a garage door, it, it's not like it's no money. But at the same time, uh, they don't, there's nobody that's like the set person that you go to for that. If you, proactively reach out and become that person to them. There's an interesting thing that happens where the future stuff that you send to them, the posts that you send, if you they see you on social media, you, you send them emails, they're going to pay attention, not because of the value of the content itself necessarily, but because you have taken a different place in their life. You're no longer the realtor that sold us the house. Now you're somebody who has it was gone out of their way to, to give you something like when you, and even taking that expense and putting it towards that, you know, paying for it yourself, let's say it's, you know, $250 to replace a garage door, whatever it is. I don't, I've never replaced a garage door, so I don't know. Uh, let's say it's $250. You write, you send the guy out there. They don't have to deal with it. They don't have to pay anything. You just pay for it straight up. Everything that you post, everything that you send to them from then on out, they're going to pay attention to. Because you've now made that shift, you're that person to them now. So you're not having to fight against t- getting somebody's attention from something else, because they feel connected to you the same way that they feel connected to their aunt that they don't speak to that often, but they can't unfollow on Instagram because they're family, and they'll, the aunt will know, right? And so you you take a different place in their in their life. And I think most important when we talk about what we're all trying to do, which is sell more houses. When you're in that position, you can, you can bet everything that if they meet anybody who needs a house to be sold, just on that one thing alone, that one little $250 expense, you're gonna you're gonna be the person they go to forever. They move away, they move across the country, and they have a friend that lives within, you know, 60 miles of you, they're gonna refer that friend to you specifically because of that one act, because of that $250 purchase, because it's so out of the blue, out of the ordinary, it's not what people expect. And I think the important thing is realizing that you, because that person now becomes a source of leads, and I, not just a source of leads, but a source of the best leads, You can sp- the, the marketing money that you used to spend on cold people, you should reallocate and spend on your clients. And I love that idea of spend not just time, but spend your money on them, uh, because you know that that's what's going to solidify that relationship. I mean, I'm even thinking now. You bring that up, you know, fixing garage doors. I'm thinking like, you know, depending on where you are and the and the the, the level of the market that you're dealing with, like how much of the action, how much you're actually getting in, in in from your commission. How much does it cost to like throw a housewarming party? Mm-hmm. Right. How much does it cost to like like again, I made the joke a couple of episodes ago about you know sending uh, pumpkin seeds at at Halloween time, which is like <laughs> I don't really care about this. I just but I know I need to do something. That versus when somebody gets moved in. Now think about this too. This is just popping into my head. Uh, well, housewarming party. Who's going to come to the housewarming party? Right. And if you're at the housewarming party, and it's all their friends, and you're paying for it, and. You're, I mean, you're not trying to make a big deal out of it, but you're paying for the housewarming party and you got people that are there. How many of the people in the room, say you've got 20 people that show up to this housewarming party, how many of them are going to buy or sell a house in the next six months or a year? One. Or know somebody that is. Yeah. Yeah. Or know somebody, exactly. Or know somebody that is. Right. So now you've, so you've, you've, you spent $250 on a garage door. You went all out for the party because you got to get the, you know, you got to get the booze. You got to get all the fun stuff. Uh, So let's say that's like, let's say $500. you spent $750, which even on a low end house is going to be like, what, five, maybe 10% of the GCI on that house. And now you've got super, you've got not only is this person going to give you leads for forever, but you've probably got one, two, maybe three people that are going to buy and sell houses in the next six months. And then a whole network of people who are going to be on the lookout for people that you know, if they're going to buy into the house, they're going to refer them to you. Because again, it's not just the people that you've done business with. You said this in the first episode, Aaron. It's not just your customers. It's your sphere of influence, right? So just you you throwing a party for somebody that you just, and I'm just, I like parties. So that's where my mind immediately goes. But there's all sorts of things you can do uh, in that, you know, if they have kids, you can throw like, you know, there's all sorts of different things you can do. But if you think about it, you should spend your money and your time where it's going to be most effective, which is going to be with those people and not, you know, not like, okay, sold. Now you go that way. And I'm going to go back to this front thing and do like sit at my desk and make these calls. Um, It's much more effective. And here's the, here's my kicker. Isn't it more fun? Yes. Isn't that more of a more fun as a realtor? to just be throwing parties and like fixing people's garage doors and, you know, like, i feel i feel like that you turn into like a party promoter at that point and then you have a a very lavish lifestyle you know it's a lot more fun
1: Um, you know what one thing to think about it i think i find it very interesting and we all do it as agents or most of us especially the high producing agents are taking their time advertising on zillow let's just use zillow as one avenue a form of advertising that's has become very expensive well even though you get that Zillow lead there are seven or eight other realtors fighting at that time for that very lead and that customer at that time there's nobody fighting for them but you you have no competition at that time to get a client or to get a client referral we spend all this money trying to find new people and compete with other agents when at that specific time, if that were done time and time again, there would be no need for Zillow or realtor.com or Absolutely. billboards or TV commercials.
0: So it's almost it. like, it's almost like you realtors are, are self-perpetuating the myth that it's as competitive as it needs to be because they're participating in the activities. Whereas if they just dealt, with their existing customer base and just built out from there. You're not competing with like, you're not competing with somebody for, for the business of somebody that you did business with already, unless, you know, unless you didn't do a good job, but if you did a good job, they're not going to, they're not going someplace else. Right? You know, uh,
1: don't get me started on Zul because that's a whole different <laughs> blood pressure issue. But actually ZO, uh, I saw
0: Aaron, Aaron posted the other day. Yeah about Zillow, yeah, about how, how inaccurate it is. And that made me laugh so much because I've gone to Zillow just for curiosity. I don't own a house, so it doesn't really matter that much to me, but just for curiosity. But that kind of thing just, just makes me laugh.
1: Well, I mean, you think about it. Zillow is taking our product that we have our inventory and charging us back to advertise our inventory. Uh, <laughs> when, when you truthfully think about that business model, how that happened from the leadership of, the National Association of Realtors, along. I don't, that's like I said, that's a whole other topic for a different day. But you got my blood pressure up on Zillow. We'll, just we'll get into that itself. at
0: some point. I really want to see you like blow a gasket or something over that. Yeah,
1: that that actually mentioned Zillow and the gasket gets blown. <laughs> but back to the real sincere part about it is that you're competing against the entire market for one person instead of having one person compete for you for the entire market. Yeah. You know, that person. It becomes your mouthpiece not necessarily you totally and what's the easiest way to stay in front of them where they want to be sold at where they're hanging out yeah. and where they're hanging out social media uh,
2: yeah social media and uh, where do people go when they talk to you from Zillow or when they're referred they go to your places like Facebook mm-hmm. or unfortunately, Zillow, and see what kind of reviews you have. Those third party testimonials or handoffs to a new lead are more important than what you can say about yourself. Right. The third party is more important than how great you say you are.
0: And, uh, and, and the third party, again, we, we, we we're beating this, but I want to beat it until it's completely dead. The, the third-party reviews, if somebody's looking on your website and they don't know somebody that's done business with you, you're already at a disadvantage. Whereas if the review has, is part of the actual referral at the same time, you did a good job with this person, so they're going to bring you somebody else and just hand it to you on a silver platter uh, versus spending all this time and effort and money trying to like make your online reputation be pristine. Not that you don't want to do that, but that all gets handled if you treat your customers right. Cause are if they leave you, if anybody leaves you reviews, they're gonna leave you good reviews. If you treat them really well, they're gonna leave you good reviews. So that handles the online thing. So now you're gonna get, now you're gonna get leads without even trying because you're spending all of your time doing things that you would probably rather do anyway with your customers, instead of trying to spend so much time uh, with with new business. So, okay, so we talked about, be there with your uh, with your clients when, at closing. We talked about doing things for them afterwards. I love the money call 30 days out. Is anything wrong? And then send somebody out to fix it. Um, I added my own uh, crazy idea of throwing them a house party. Do with that what you will. Uh, any other parting thoughts on this closing process? What, what, what realtors should be doing um, or should not be doing? Aaron. Uh,
2: the only other thing would be uh, I see, you know, people do gifting and things like that, or, you know, they give a Home Depot gift card or consumable like, wine or brownies or whatever um i think the gift has to be personal uh has to be made for them uh it's not doesn't have to be branded with my stuff all over it they know who gave it to them but it's going to be something they're going to use forever um that home depot gift card gets swiped one time and it's gone you know uh so a good thoughtful gift i think is important too uh while you're there at the closing table well
1: there's nothing wrong with the delay for the gift either Right I mean, you have the opportunity to there. There's nothing wrong with this uh, a set of cut co knives showing up thirty days later, saying, "Hey, we real silly really appreciate you. thank you
0: yeah, and 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 uh, cut co knives never go bad. Lifetime warranty, great gift idea. <laughs> and they're not that expensive. They're, I mean they're 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 like a thousand dollars for one of the full sets, but you know, if you talk about you know staying in somebody's mind, they're going to use those knives, and they're going to love it. Um, so, uh, if you're listening to this, whether you're on, you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube or you know any place that we've got this thing run, or you're listening to this on one of the podcast channels, um, make sure that you are paying more attention to your clients, especially as you get closer to the end and beyond the end of that closing process, because it's going to set you up for long-term success to give you a better place to play in, in terms of leads, new business, uh, houses that you're going to end up selling and just having a better uh, situation to be in. We mentioned a couple of times, uh, social media aspect of things. um, And I mentioned this at the beginning, but I'll mention it again here. Head over to stayaheadrealestatemarketing.com. The process of managing all of that, that uh, social media can be sometimes kind of daunting, especially if you're spending all your time, fixing people's garages and throwing housewarming parties and doing all this kind of stuff. Uh, and so uh, stay ahead real estate marketing has put together a great service that will help to supplement a lot of the content that you need to put out or just manage it completely for you. So stay ahead, Check it out. Uh, hopefully you will enjoy all of this. Next time we're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to back up a little bit more into the, the funnel process. Talk about the, all of the steps leading up to close. So from the time when you get that appointment, you actually make contact and they become a lead all the way up until that, that close process. And I want to talk about the, the way you can handle leads that come from referrals versus new leads that come in from whatever activities you're, you're doing uh, that, that are where they're cold coming in. So we'll talk about that next time, which will be fun and exciting uh, since that is apparently the place where most realtors naturally shift where they want to spend their time is in that bucket. So we'll talk about some fun activities there. Um, but uh, thanks everybody for joining and we will see you all next time. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on Forethought, provided to you by StayAheadRealEstateMarketing.com. Head over to StayAheadRealEstateMarketing.com to learn how you can have your social media completely managed by a team of world-class professionals in the real estate industry to help you maximize current marketing trends and methodologies and strategies in your real estate business. See you next time.